What's up, guys? And welcome back to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And this is Here to Evolve. So for those of you tuning in for the first time, uh, first of all, go back and listen to the other ones. But our purpose here is basically to give you content and provide feedback, guidance, help, motivation, encouragement in three main areas. Those are life, health, and business. So we're going to be rotating through a bunch of different topics. Most of these episodes, you're going to be able to kind of equate to any and all of those. Um, we keep them not general, but applicable to multiple situations. A lot of it's mindset stuff, um, how you can apply habits in a certain way, um, just creating structure in a way that allows you to progress in those specific areas. So health, business, lifestyle stuff. And we really do appreciate if you take a moment to either just share this on social media, tag us in your Instagram stories, um, or even just leave a review. It helps us so, so much. So thank you in advance if you do that. Um, yeah, if you're listening right now, hit pause. If you're on Apple Podcasts, jump in there. It takes three seconds. Leave us one line, a quick review, as long as it's good. If it's not, turn it off and find <laughs> another channel. No, we really do appreciate it. So thank you guys. But we will jump right in. Um, first of all, today... We have been working all day and Instagram and Facebook are just down. They're like completely shut down for pretty much the whole world, I think. And it's been a really nice break. Like, I feel like I can actually shut off and I'm not missing out on anything. So maybe it was the little social media detox that we all needed. Yeah, it's not helping me at all. This was a <laughs> shit show for me this morning. So the whole world came crashing down technology is just not working in our favor right now so i'm glad you had a nice little break but uh, i can't say that i shared that sentiment with you josh gets very frustrated with technology anywho let's kind of dive in what are we talking about today today we are going to talk about the phases of dieting because every time i do an instagram q a it's always fat loss fat loss fat loss people want to know how to achieve fat loss you know i feel like people are always so focused on fat loss which is fine it's perfectly okay to have fat loss goals but there are three other options when it comes to tracking your macros and dieting and we're going to kind of just go through all three of them um, talk about you know the purpose behind each of them how to do them sustainably, you know, just our experiences with them, what you can expect from cycling through the phases, which is something we do with all of our clients. So hopefully this can open your eyes to more than just fat loss um, and kind of just show you how to achieve fat loss a little bit better. So start with the basics. What is fat loss? What's the purpose? Obviously, the purpose of fat loss is to decrease the amount of body fat you have on your body. This is your basic dieting um, go-to. So whenever you hear the word diet or if you hear somebody's dieting or maybe they're in a cut phase, um, it's also known as that. That's kind of how we talk about it. It's just simply the act of reducing your body fat. And it's something that a lot of people obviously want to focus on and something a lot of people struggle with because, um, you know, obviously as a country and all over the world, people deal with things like obesity and that just impacts your overall health. So fat loss for many people can be something that helps make you a healthier human. So as long as you're doing it sustainably. So we're talking about length and intensity in general, you don't want to be in any specific phase besides like a maintenance phase as far as a cut or a bulk for more than 12 weeks. So three months is typically that sweet spot. A couple different reasons. The main one is your body adapts to where you're at. So your body wants to maintain. 
anytime you're gaining weight or losing weight, it's actually a stress on your body. So it adapts, becomes more difficult to continue doing that. So in a fat loss phase, you're going to notice as you lose mass, um, as your metabolic rate drops a little bit, as you're losing some size, and as your body's adapting, you have to eat less and less to actually continue losing weight. So by implementing a maintenance break or a reverse diet in between those phases, typically a max of three months, you're letting your body re reset, reestablish its baseline, bring those calories back up, and then be able to continue seeing uh, progress in an efficient manner. It also allows you, be, you to be a little more intense. So... You know, you can keep it on the more conservative side. I tend to do this uh, with the bulk, but we're talking about a fat loss phase right here. So what that means is if you're keeping it more conservative, your deficit isn't as significant. Your energy is going to stay higher. Hunger isn't going to be as significant. Your performance typically stays up. So they're making up a bit for the lack of an overwhelming deficit in the fact that you can probably improve body composition a little bit better by continuing to get uh, strength improvement as that continues to occur. Yeah. And I think it's important to note here too, that everything we're saying is a very generalized guideline. So of course there are going to be some people out there who can push it a little bit past 12 weeks or longer, depending on, you know, where they were when they started, um, how things are going, how their biofeedback is looking. So throughout all of these phases, you should not only be looking at what your body weight is and how you're progressing, you know, aesthetically, you should be looking at your biofeedback, which we've brought up a few times to you guys. Now, this is something we have all of our clients track as well as your mindset and your adherence to how things are going. So, you know, we often will have calls with potential clients who want to focus on fat loss, but you know, they say they've been eating like 1200 calories for the last six or 12 months. And then we have them start tracking their food and we start to realize that they weren't really, well, one of two things, they were actually doing that and they're just not in a place to proceed with a cut phase or they start tracking and we sort of realized they weren't really tracking as efficiently as they thought they Their were. Their goal was 1,200 calories, but they were consuming 15, 1,800, and that's, they're not counting the or snacks. More. Yeah, they're not counting the snacks, the untracked meals, eating out. They don't actually equate for those extra calories. So your adherence is really important, and even though you have a goal of whatever your cal caloric intake should be, just because you have that goal doesn't mean that's what you've actually been doing. So these are all things to consider. Um, but why don't we talk about what not to do before we kind of dive into, you know, a general recommendation a little bit more. But what not to do in a fat loss phase? Because this is sort of like the fad diets and things that you see, you know, or you hear your mom talk about or, you know, your aunt or your coworkers, all these crazy things people are doing. What is what are the things that we don't want to do when it comes to fat loss? Basically, you can ask yourself one question and already have the answer to that. So can I maintain this for the long term? If the answer is no, then it's unnecessary. It's a mistake. You don't have to do it. So some of the most obvious ones are cutting out entire food groups, slashing calories beyond where they need to be slashed to using a, gen a generic uh, calculator for calories. That's, it's not something that you want to put too much weight into. Let's um, pause right there and talk about why. So a lot of people you know, ask us, how do I figure out my macros? This calculator said this thing, this calculator said another thing. What, what's the issue with the calculator? It's too generic. So it's just going off basically height, weight, and age, gender. So taking a general calculation of what your specific calories should be, history is not accounted for, 
what you've been doing recently has not been accounted for, what you've been eating recently has not been accounted for. Activity level is to a certain extent, but how you're responding to that really isn't. So what we do with our clients, um, new clients as they're onboarding, is we do a general calculation. We also have them tell us if they have been tracking, um, where they've been tracking at, and what they've been doing at that as far as gaining, losing, maintaining. Um, and if they're not tracking, just give us a typical typical day of eating so we can get a baseline of essentially where they're at. So then we take the, those two things, the calculation and their actual intake to come up with a more accurate baseline. That's still not gonna be perfect. So from that point, they're tracking there for one to two weeks. We wanted to see them at a consistent baseline. So hitting those numbers consistently, um, and then we can see what they're actually doing. And that is the most accurate starting point because you can see, okay, I'm at 2000 calories, I'm maintaining perfectly. That's your maintenance. If you're losing weight or gaining weight at 2000 calories, you can pretty much tell what the adjustment needs to be to get to the next point and actually make the first adjustment into your fat loss phase. Yeah, and this is something we actually just sent out a little, I think it was four or five day course via our email list. So we do free weekly emails with just tips, any content that you guys might've missed. We released the podcast through there. Um, but I did a new thing with our email list last week and it was just every day for five days, I brought them through how to figure out how to calculate their maintenance intake and the response was really really positive so if this is something you guys would want us to release again let us know tag us on instagram shoot us a dm really quick we would be happy to do another one if there were enough of you interested but um, it definitely cleared up a lot of confusion on how to set your maintenance numbers and then if you're coupling that with the mindful menu collective that new feature we're putting out this month um, basically letting you use our portal to track your numbers, to track your biofeedback, to answer questions through a journal prompt. So this is all basically giving you that bigger picture view that we're talking about where it's not just the numbers, it's all these other factors that go into the decisions you have to make. Even without a coach, it's eye-opening. So you and I have been going through our cut and our bulk and using this for the first week. And for us, it was eye-opening for how cool this is to be able to see where those numbers are falling. So this is something where it just gives you more perspective. Um, it shows you that it does it does take into account soreness levels, energy levels, hunger levels, how well you sleep, what stress is looking like that day, digestion. All those things create fluctuations in our body weight. So being able to see all those from a, a bigger picture view shows us Okay, am I actually maintaining? Did certain things happen that threw the numbers off a little bit? Am I tracking accurately? What's my average look like for the entire week? Am I close? Um, so just having that outside perspective, quote unquote, on yourself gives you a better idea of where things actually are. Yeah, I would say it's the next best thing to having a coach. So if you can't afford coaching or maybe you just don't want that added accountability yet, this could be enough accountability to hold you accountable to your goals. Um, so we're really excited to release this. We'll talk about this a little bit more at the end of the episode. But getting back to fat loss, um, I think the other big thing that a lot of people tend to do is they slash calories down right away and then they up cardio right away. And that's a problem because that is going to fuck up biofeedback so, so you much. You swear a lot on this podcast. <laughs> I do. I don't really swear anywhere else on earth. trying to talk like me. <laughs> you are just affecting me in so many ways. Um, but no, I think that a lot of people tend to just immediately slash calories and then add in so much extra activity and cardio. And that's going to increase hunger drastically. That's going to impact your sleep probably. That's going to increase your stress levels. Your performance is going to drop. Um, just the hunger fact alone, you're going to be so hungry that it's going to be so hard to adhere to your macros. And your macros are already low because you slash them like for no reason so 
what we suggest is starting at the highest amount of food you could possibly be eating while still seeing progress. And I know that sounds backwards. People are like, well, shouldn't I just cut down as low as I can and see all of the results super fast? But you're not going to see the results that you're looking for. So the big thing, like we keep harping on performance and biofeedback, but if you're getting stronger in the gym, you're able to improve body composition more efficiently than just slashing calories and letting weights do what they're doing. The reason for that is as your strength maintains, so does your muscle. So if you lose weight faster, fantastic. All you're changing is the number on the scale. You're probably going to have a pretty similar body composition. Or so as you decreased or decreased um, muscle, muscle mass, mass, so higher body fat percentage. Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, it's not always go fast, go hard, because at that point you aren't improving. You're going to lose 15, 20 pounds and look exactly the same, just a smaller version. And you're going to be pissed because you don't have the shape that you want. And then you're back at square one. Your calories with less are muscle, low, which is more frustrating. You have less muscle and you have nowhere to go. So it's like where you literally can't go any further down from there. You're frustrated, you're hungry, everything is just tanked and it's not sustainable, of course. So then the only other option is to eat more food. And because you've been so restricted, you tend to go overboard in the other direction. Um, so that kind of brings me into my next point and ne next mistake we see a lot of people make is they restrict either entire food groups, like you said earlier, or just restrict things too much. So let's say Monday through Friday, you are able to hit those calories that are low. You're able to not eat carbs or not eat sugar or eat only clean foods, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when you restrict too much, your mindset and your mentality is going to want everything that you're restricting once the weekend hits. And that's usually something we see. So that's when you see people have those epic cheat days or they just go way overboard with calories or they go out for drinks and food and they get one little taste of what they shouldn't be having. And it's like it opens up this whole door and they just say, fuck it. And it's the fuck it mentality. Um, that's three fucks in one, uh, <laughs> one second here. So it's just not a sustainable thing to restrict entire food groups or you know do things like the whole 30 or any of those things because they're not sustainable and then on the other side of that spectrum we'll kind of dive into our personal experiences but when you're able to enjoy in moderation you have a, a realistic expectation for what you want to achieve and you say okay well i'm gonna hit my goals i'm gonna hit my numbers each day i'm gonna factor in a little bit of this just to kind of satisfy that sweet tooth for myself personally when i start cutting back on the processed garbage and I put more food, more whole foods, I stopped craving that other stuff. That's so true. that's something where like, I'm not restricted. I know I can have it. I just choose to not have it because I don't want it because I know these other things make me feel really good. And those cravings actually go away. Yeah. It's all about perspective with that. It's all about the mindset stuff. So when you're restricting things and you're telling yourself you can't have it, it's much different than actively choosing not to have it, knowing that the choice that you are making, you know, it contributes to you overall your overall well-being so it not only contributes to your goals of fat loss but it makes your digestion on point it helps your sleep it just makes everything feel so much better so you want to start choosing more and more of those things um, so I think that was a really good point and to kind of jump into our experiences with fat loss we've been through I've been through way more cut phases than you have over the years but um, you know I've done the restrictive cut phases before I've done keto before I've done all of these fad diets and they do not work and not only do they not work let me let me rephrase that they work I saw results but they're just not sustainable and I felt like crap so when I started 
flexible dieting and tracking macros. It was like such a relief because we weren't living for those weekend cheat days and everything just felt so much more balanced. But I also understood what my body really needed to feel its best while still seeing the same, actually better progress than I saw on any of those other fad diets because my performance in the gym was able to stay high. And at that, during most of my, not extreme, but during most of my cut phases, I was powerlifting. So my goal was to be as strong as I possibly could. Um, And during that time, I was able to keep strength and performance super high to compete at a national level and still make weight at 57 or 63 kilos, whatever class I was competing in. So um, you can see fat loss progress and maintain strength if you do it the right way. And that just, I think, proves all of our previous points that fad diets and extreme restriction is just not the way to go. No doubt. And I think going into this is all about mindset and perspective as well. So my best cut, this was after a long, long bulk. My goal was always to get to like 225. That was like the whole time I knew you Yeah. until this cut phase. Yep. And then I finally did it. So I ended up at 227. My goal was to cut down to 200, 205-ish. I just wanted to do a, you know, a quick little cut. Not a quick little cut, but one cut and, you know, be happy with my dream body. Wasn't the case. So I had, not that I was, I wasn't fat, but I was much more fluffy than I typically was because I gained, it wasn't a dirty bulk, but I gained weight very quickly. My goal was a pound a week. And that's not really where you want to be after lifting for five or 10 years or however long it's been when you're no longer a, uh, a newbie lifter. So with that in mind, my expectation was to get to 200 pounds to feel really good about where I was. I did that. So my goal was to get back to 200 pounds. Like, yeah, I'm gonna feel great. This is going to be perfect. I got to 200 pounds. I was not happy at all. Got down to 190. Wasn't happy. Got down to 180. I wasn't happy. I ended up cutting to 177 and I was yoked at that point and much smaller than I wanted to be. So I ended up losing 50 pounds. Like I never would have assumed I had 50 pounds to lose, but I did a 50 pound cut, you know, with a very brief maintenance phase in between. And my mindset was on point. I felt really good. I I did it in a maintainable way. Um, But I kind of handled the way up wrong and the way down wrong. So going up, I wanted to do it too quickly. I just wanted to see that number on the scale. So as much as we want to see weight loss, um, I'm striving for this specific number for fat loss. I had the same effect on the way up. I'm like, I just want to see this number. So I got there quicker than I should have. I didn't gain the right weight. Again, I was strong and I wasn't fat. Um, but I, I had more fluff than I, than I would have liked. And I had to lose a lot more than I thought I should have. So I'm down to 177, which I thought I would never see in my entire life because of my mindset, because of my expectations, because of how I handled it to begin with from the start. Yeah, I remember you going through that. And again, like I didn't look at you and I was never like, oh, my fiance is fat. (laughs) Like you were never overweight. But when you started to cut, you got so shredded, like you were so shredded and so lean. And it was just crazy to know that you had to lose that much weight to get the to get to where you wanted to be um but 
I mean, it just goes to show the scale is not everything at all. And it, a lot of people get hung up on it. And it's something we talk with our clients about every single week. But one of the reasons why we have them track daily weigh-ins is so that we can have more data to pull into their weekly averages. So we compare their averages week to week with weight. Um, so if you just watched our YouTube video from this week too, you'll see we did that with ourselves. That's what we do. And it just allows you to kind of detach your emotions from the scale. But by also tracking biofeedback with that, it shows you how your body tends to respond to certain things like sodium or water or just different things that make it fluctuate. Um, so just some insight there for anybody who is influenced heavily by the scale. So kind of taking that into the next step, you reach that 12 weeks, we have to go to maintenance. Why don't we talk about that? What's the purpose of it? Yeah, maintenance. I mean, I feel like maintenance is underrated. Most people don't want to just hang at maintenance. They always have a goal, whether it be reversing or bulking or a fat loss phase. But maintenance can be really magical for so many people because it's a place where you just feel really good. It's where your body wants to just thrive and be and things aren't fluctuating as much. You can kind of just hang out there for as long as you want to. But the purpose of it is to maintain weight within a range of course um and just really push performance and just feel your best and that's where you should want to live once you have reached a sustainable place for body composition and even before that so if we have a long-term fat loss phase that needs to take place when i say long-term fat loss phase i mean multiple phases so we'll go i'll, I'll approach a client and let them know listen at a certain point we need to go to maintenance typically three months once your biofeedback or weight plateaus and we see indicators this is what's going to happen like you might not be excited for it but i promise you that you're going to love it and this is something like they're not looking forward to going to maintenance but i tell them by the end of it this is probably going to be your favorite phase and not only from the aspects we just talked about as far as feeling better letting your body reset but people don't understand you can continue to improve body composition and maintenance. Yeah. So when you can eat more and improve body composition and feel better and get stronger and all these good things are happening, that's when that magic takes place. And we just posted today before Instagram broke um, <laughs> a client and uh, one of Anna's clients, one of our coach Anna's, Anna's, one of our coaches, Anna, her clients, um, she did a long term reverse. I forget how long it's been, but. She's actually down seven pounds. She looks phenomenal. Like body composition improved the entire time. They've always had a cut on on their mind. Like this is what their goal was to, to get to a cut. But they've been increasing calories and things have been going so well. They have not needed to cut because they're getting the best of both worlds right now. Yeah. And it's really interesting. We'll kind of go into what a reverse diet entails and what you can expect from that. But it's really cool when that happens because obviously this client wanted to go into a fat loss phase, but to not have to do that and to not have to put your body under that stress is like the ultimate win. Um, I will say it's definitely more of a rare thing with females, but we do see it and it does happen. Um, so it's just really cool when something like that can align and we don't have to put someone in an unnecessary necessary fat loss phase and even weight aside like i have a client who's gone through the cuts they've gone through reverse diets they've gone through regular maintenance phases this is someone who wasn't happy with how things were going until she compared her progress pictures from the first check-in we had to the last check-in we had this is over the course of 50 weeks she's currently two two or three pounds heavier than she was when we started which is why her mind was in a funk she looks incredible like her transformation was phenomenal she did a fantastic job and her mindset completely shifted seeing the same way to the same thing she sees in the mirror every single day because the number was higher she was upset but as soon as she saw that picture and what has actually changed in her physique 
light bulb went off and she understood what has actually changed. Her PRs are going up. She feels better. She's stronger across the board. Calories are higher and she weighs two or three pounds more, but she's much leaner than when she started. Yeah. So the scale is not everything. And this is why we have our clients take progress photos too, because you know, oftentimes we were saying this on our coaching or on our call with our other two coaches this morning, clients will take these photos and until we put them next to each other, it's like they don't even realize their body is changing. Um, it could be drastic like the client you just talked about or just smaller changes. You don't see if you're just kind of looking in the mirror. So progress photos are really, really important to take at least, I would say once a month, if not every other week. Um, we have our clients send them in weekly usually, but just for a nice consistent time lapse. Yeah. But I mean, just get in the habit of doing them regularly to see how your body is shifting and I think you would be surprised. So that's a little takeaway tip for you guys. So we kind of already hit on how to find maintenance initially. So when you're tracking, you don't even just need to start with a calculator, just track what you're currently eating, figure out if you're gaining or losing weight. Um, and then just kind of adjust from that point. So the math is not perfect. There's 3,500 calories in a pound. So let's say you're gaining a pound a week. You're probably in a daily surplus of 500 calories per day. So you would scale your calories back 500. Again, that's not perfect. That's just what the numbers quote unquote tell you, but a lot of different things are going to go into that. But that's how you find your maintenance. When you figure out based on what you're eating, whether you're gaining, losing, or maintaining, that's your maintenance starting point. Again, to get a little deeper, you would dive into that course we kind of put out there. We even offer a course actually. It goes more in depth. We do. I forgot we still had that. It's still on the site. <laughs> we still have that on our website. So it's called Master of Macros and it's still on our website. You can purchase it. It will walk you through all of this information we're talking here way more in depth and how to apply it to your life, how to transition, um, transition, how to adjust your macros through the different phases how to really find your maintenance we we made videos for every little chapter that go with it so it's like an online course you can take um, again I'll link our website in the show notes but know that that's there and these aren't these aren't shameless plugs if you guys are looking for resources we're just throwing them out there if you just want to follow along for the podcast that's why we're doing this so we're not pushing this we're letting you know the resources that you have available all right, let's move on to reverse dieting because this just, I mean, I think it's something a lot of people still don't really understand. And what is the difference between maintenance and reverse diet? Good question. So with the reverse diet, the purpose of it is to obviously get back up to a maintainable and sustainable caloric intake um, that you can maintain. And usually you do a reverse diet after a cut phase, but you can do one at any time. Um, but the goal is to get more food into your body. And a lot of people, this can be a little bit nerve wracking for them to do because they've never purposely have eaten more food. Um, but it's something that we have found just really is beneficial for so many clients out there just because with women, especially they come to us under eating. So this is a way for us to increase their calories while also making sure that they're mindset stays in a good place because for a lot of people if we were to be like okay you need to increase your calories by 500 calories today that's a lot and they're not going to respond mentally well to that they're probably not going to respond physically well to that so by taking it slowly and showing them that their body can maintain these smaller shifts it allows them to slowly accept eating more food they're going to start to see the positive effects to biofeedback their performance is going to skyrocket and they're just going to feel better overall the whole point of this is to improve performance improve biofeedback get those hormones to regulate and balance it's fueling your body optimally for all aspects of life so like she was mentioning we don't want to go too much too soon 
it's intimidating and it's also probably not going to elicit the response that you're looking for. So I'm super conservative with it. I would rather increase a very small amount consistently every single week. So if a client's maintaining, let's say we bump them up a hundred calories a week, but they're accurately tracking. They're not messing with their intake throughout the week. They're, they're on the money weights, maintaining within a half a pound or so every single week, we'll keep bumping that up. So we go five weeks into this and then we're up 500 calories. We go 10 weeks into this and we're up a thousand calories. And I've, <laughs> I've had women come to me and we reverse diet them while they're maintaining up to 3000 calories. And sometimes yeah. they get to a point and they're like, I don't want to eat anymore. Yeah. It becomes so a we'll, chore. <laughs> we'll tap out. Like we don't have to keep eating more. Obviously things are thriving at that point. Um, but you can go at it from a, a couple different ways. A lot of it is, you know, coming off of a cut. That's typically when we start a reverse diet to bring those calories back up, get them, you know, to level back off. Some clients will achieve, you know, what they wanted to achieve. They hit that goal and they're like, okay, well, what do we do now? I feel really good about how I look and performance and all that. So we then reverse diet up to a point they feel really comfortable with. They have plenty of food. And once you get to that number, we'll actually scale into more intuitive eating days. So I have one client who has already hit her goals. She's where she wants to be physically, as far as strength, as far as body composition, and we reverse diet up to a certain amount of calories, and then we just increased untracked days every single week. So we started with one every couple of weeks, then it was one every week. When she got that down, it was two a week, and then three a week. We're up to four untracked days a week, and she's maintaining, she's performing well, and this is all about lifestyle. So. We're implementing something she feels really comfortable and sustaining. We're working a lot on mindset. So the relationship with food was not always there. So this is something that we focus on other areas as we scaled back actually tracking. We were only able to do that because of that reverse diet. Yeah, and I think it's important to note with reversing too that you know, there are definitely many ways to go about it, but also this isn't something you're going to commit to for a month and then be like, okay, I'm done with my reverse diet. Like it just doesn't work that way. Um, a lot of people t want to initially rush this process, but as a general rule of thumb, what we suggest is for however long you were in a cut phase should be the length of your reverse, um, at least. But a reverse diet, like Josh said, can go on until you just hit a point where you just don't want more food or you, you don't need more food, everything kind of regulated, um, or just until you're ready for maintenance or a different phase. But it's definitely not something to rush. It's definitely something that you need to really tune into biofeedback and what your body is doing and figure out the best way for you. So just because, you know, Josh gave the example of increasing a smaller amount every single week, I've also had, have had clients who, you know, sometimes we don't adjust until every third week or, um, you know, usually every two to three weeks is good depending on how their adherence was, of course, but there are various routes you can take with this and it's not a one size fits all and nutrition in general is not a one size fits all. But I think a lot of people with reverse dieting are looking for increase your food, you know, 50 calories at a time or increase carbs by this amount and fats by this amount. And this is what you need to do every single week. But it really does depend on how your body is responding. So unfortunately, we can't give you like a blueprint of what to do there. But um, with tracking your biofeedback, with tracking your average weekly weights, and just tracking your performance and all of your progress, you should be able to figure out what that rate looks like for you um, and adjust accordingly. And the next phase is my personal favorite. So bulking, adding mass. This is my least favorite. But I've only done one in my life, and I think many women probably can relate to me saying this is my least favorite. Um, 
but I will say, I guess I'll start by just sharing my experience for this one before we dive into what it is. It was so necessary for me to commit to a bulk phase. So I was coming off of being a competitive powerlifter. This was like my last push going into nationals. And I decided to do a bulk and I gained, I think, almost 15 pounds, um, which didn't really look like 15 pounds, kind of similar to your experience with cutting, how you didn't think you needed to lose that much weight. I didn't think I was going to gain that much weight, um, but it allowed my performance to skyrocket and I at times was uncomfortable but it allowed me to put on so much more muscle mass than I ever had before and that's really the point of it right yeah I think what most people overlook is how little muscle that they have so for most women they're not planning on going through a, a bulking phase but on one of our last coaching meetings a few conversations were had you know we talk about any clients who are struggling and some different things that are going on some cool things that happen one of the clients wasn't expecting to ever do a bulk. She had just finished a cut. She didn't quite look how she wanted to, and this is very common. So the conversation shifted to actually gaining muscle because to have that shape, that muscle has to be there. If you're just losing weight, everything's getting smaller. Again, body composition doesn't necessarily improve that much. So by bulking, you know, if you're at a reasonable um, body fat percentage, you do a lean bulk, you focus on increasing weight so that when you do cut the next time around, you have more to show for that. And it doesn't have to be dramatic, but something like adding 10 pounds over the course of six months and then scaling it back is going to give you that much more shape to show when you do that final cut. So most women don't think of this as a priority, but if you're completely unhappy with your current body composition and just the overall look and how things are going, chances are you're going to have to bulk at some point to actually achieve what it is you're looking for. Yeah, and this is something you also have to actually commit to, too. You can't commit to a bulk for a month and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I want to lose the fat because you're just going to be in the same exact spot. So it's something where it's the most efficient way of how you're going to gain muscle mass. And we talked on, you know, you, can you gain it at maintenance? Can you gain muscle mass through reverse? Sure. But it's not going to be as efficient or as fast as you would in a bulk phase. No doubt. To notice a significant noticeable amount of muscle mass, that difference, it's going to take you six months to a year. So there's going to be a maintenance phase, breaking that up a little bit, but it's not as simple. I say quote unquote simple as doing a cut where you're just losing that muscle takes time to grow because you can't just, it doesn't just grow as fast as you want it to grow. You can't just every ounce that you gain isn't muscle. So there's a rate to keep it efficient. It's going to be slow and steady. So six months, nine months, 12 months of a bulk before you kind of scale things back is where you're going to see the most significant changes. Yeah. You have to be all in mentally and you have to really accept that at times it will feel defeating because you're, you're going to put on a little bit of body fat with that muscle gain. That's just how it, it's got to be. Obviously you want to minimize that as much as you can, but it's, you're going to do that. So when you put on that little bit of body fat, you're not going to appear as quote unquote toned and see this muscle just appearing on your body. Um, so it can definitely be a mind fuck at times because you're not, Four. you're not seeing changes as quickly as you would in the cut phase, but it's definitely worth doing if you've continuously been unhappy with how your cut phases go. There is a caveat to that. If you are a newbie gainer, if you've been lifting for less than a year or lifting hard significantly for less than a year, you're going to get those newbie gains. So you actually will notice significant uh, lean mass improvements very quickly. What I'm talking about for six, six months, nine months, 12 months, that's for an advanced lifter. Someone has been lifting most of their life, you know, three years, five years plus. That's going to take you more time. 
And this is a good time to really focus on your strength goals and your performance goals. It's really fun to see those numbers increasing in the gym, the weight that you're lifting. That's a cool focus area to have when it feels like, you know, nothing is happening physically. Um, That got me through my bulk and it just is really eye-opening to see how strong you can get and it's a good time to push that. So if you're kind of on the fence and you're like, well, I don't know if I can do it, um, make sure you have a good lifting program to follow that's implementing progressive overload and it's really fun to chase numbers when you're bulking. So our last little segment here of the day and we're just going to answer three common nutrition questions that I have gotten in the past couple of months. Um, These have come up regularly in relation to nutrition and dieting so I thought it would be fun to answer them here for you guys. The first one is what what of these phases should you do first? How do you decide, should I cut first? Should I bulk first? Should I reverse diet? Am I just good at maintenance? What do I do? It depends on where body comp is so and where calories are. So let's say you're an average physique. You kind of have the open road. You can, you can take it in any direction. If you have some more body fat to lose, if you're a bit on the heavier side, body fat is higher than you would like it to be. Um, you're going to want to start with a cut. So it's keep things lean, keep things efficient. You want to start out with that cut. If you're super lean, I don't know why you want to cut, but you obviously bulk first. And if you're borderline and you want to add muscle first, again, you can take it in any direction, but typically I like to go up before I go down so that after I go down, I'm, I'm just done. I don't have to worry about finishing the phase coming back down. Yeah, I agree. I think that was well said. Next little hit or miss question types of foods that you eat throughout these phases do they change based on if you're in a bulk phase versus a cut um so i thought this was interesting because i think this is kind of the mentality a lot of people have when it comes to these different phases of dieting they think that a bulk is just oh i'm just gonna stuff my face all day every day donuts and pizza (laughs) and then like a cut phase you're just eating clean which we kind of touched on so um why don't we share what that looks like for us what we suggest for our clients for myself personally, I keep the same foods. I just change portion sizes. So right now, if you guys watched the first episode of the bulk and the cut on YouTube that we have going on, not the Here to Evolve, but Alessandra and Josh channel, um, I actually mentioned that first week I leaned out a little bit. So what I'm trying to do is, again, clean up the diet a little bit, be more consistent. Um, and when that happens, I tend to notice much more significant lean gains. So if I can keep body fat the same as I'm adding muscle, I'm actually going to lean out while I bulk. Um, that's not always how it goes. Um, but just by cleaning things up, I do notice that especially initially. Um, so I'm not going to change the things that I do if I'm cutting or bulking, I'm still prioritizing nutrient dense foods. I'm just increasing portion sizes when I'm bulking. Um, and that's just how I feel the best. And I notice the best progress. Yeah. Same with me. And I think the important thing to factor in here is fiber. So if you're bulking, you still should be hitting your fiber goals and if you're eating more and more calories that fiber probably needs to come up with those calories too so it's really important to still commit to those whole nutrient dense foods that are single ingredient foods as most of your diet and then of course if you have a little extra room for a bowl of ice cream or a cookie or whatever it is that you want fit that in as needed and as wanted Um, don't restrict anything but most of your day and the bulk of your day regardless of what phase you're in should be those nutrient-dense foods. One of my biggest pet peeves is as we increase clients, whether they're bulking or doing a reverse diet, if I add 50 carbs and their fiber is coming in at the same level, that's the first thing I highlight is why is this not going up? What are we prioritizing as we increase those calories? 
It should be more whole foods, more nutrients. The more calories we increase, the more opportunity you have to fuel your body properly. And I think a lot of people with that are going to be like, well, it's there's too many calories. I'm eating so much and I'm so full, but food volume matters here too. So you can still eat mostly clean foods and eat upwards of three or 4,000 calories. I don't know if you guys follow Marcus Philly on Instagram. He's another coach or trainer. Um, he posts what he eats a lot of the time and he eats mostly clean foods and he eats, I think above 4,000 calories or around 4,000 calories. So if he can eat 4,000 calories worth of clean nutrient dense foods, I promise you, you can do it at 2000 calories or 2,500 calories. It's just going to take a little bit more intent and focus. Um, but it's definitely doable. Last question of the podcast. Do Josh and I eat dinner together when we have these specific goals? This came up yesterday in my Q&A. I didn't get to it on my Q&A. So I thought this was interesting because, and I wanted to answer it because I think there are so many just like societal norms on what you should do. Um, Josh and I are kind of in a a different position though because we're together 24 hours a day so if we're not eating dinner together we're probably eating breakfast together or lunch together like we ate together today um, and you know I think that it's okay to understand that you can still eat with someone and not eat the exact same thing as the person that you're with like you can still enjoy their company and be with them and eat dinner together with whoever whether you're going out to dinner or you're eating at home, you don't have to eat exactly the same. You're different people and you can do what is best applicable to your life and your goals. It's it's very nice when you're working and you come home and your spouse has something made. But if you guys are on different plans, you can just open up that line of communication. And if they're not on board with making things that fit the things you're trying to do right now, you can bring something home. You can prep something yourself. You can set yourself up for success in other ways. So, yeah, we don't always eat the same things, but we typically eat together and we just do what we have to do to make those numbers work. Yeah, it comes down to communicating and just being open. And I think a lot of the times we work up this idea of how the conversation is going to go in our head and it doesn't usually go that way. Most people are very understanding and it's just about spending quality time together. So that was our two cents on that. Um, And we're going to end the podcast here today. So hopefully you guys learned something. This was kind of heavy on nutrition, but a lot of things that are brought up to us regularly, whether it's from clients or just followers. So feel free to share this with someone who you might think would benefit from it. And if you want more, check out the sources that we recommended. um, And I will link everything in the show notes for you. We'll do that quick rundown again, where you can find us, one of our 7,000 YouTube channels, podcasts. So podcast is here to evolve. This YouTube, if you would prefer to watch this, is uh, here to evolve on YouTube as well. The other YouTube YouTube is Alessandra and Josh. That's like our vlog channel. That's where we're documenting our cut and Josh's bulk. Um, So more vloggy style stuff on there to come. And then Instagram, I'm at Alessandra Skutnik. I'm at Josh Skutnik. And our business page is at SD underscore evolution. And at Fit Coach Pro. And our family page is at our evolving life. So did you write all that down? Go follow all the things and we will catch you in next week's episode. Later.